was like, ow, that kind of hurt. But I just went to sleep. And I woke up and I'm in a, like a pool of blood <laughs> oh. like, all over my foot. And so my foot is like super scarred up. My, I came into my mom's room late at night and I'm like, mom, my foot's bleeding. And she wakes up. She's like, what? What? <laughs> blood. <laughs> mom, I'm bleeding. Hello, it's Jasmine. And it's Haley. And welcome back to Cults, Conspiracies, and Other Creepies. Yeah. So today is going to be a good one because we got our part two of my last episode where I'm talking about the Branch Davidans and the Waco Siege. But before we get into everything, we have just a fun little tidbits of our lives to tell you. So what should we lead off with? Okay. There was a ghost on one of our podcasts. We aren't 100% sure. We aren't 100% sure, but when this episode is uploaded, I will put it on our Instagram. We say that a lot, but we never do those things. Okay, this time I'm going to remember, though. The day this is uploaded, I'm going to put a video of the sound on our Instagram, Colts Conspiracy Creepy. So check us out on there so you can see it. But when I was editing, I don't know what episode, the 14th or 15th episode... Yeah, I don't remember because it was a little while no, it back. Was 11th or 12th episode. Yeah. This will be our 14th episode. But I was editing it and I heard like this weird man's voice. It was kind of like a low man's voice, wasn't it? Yeah, because you thought I was yawning. And yeah. like, I remember we were FaceTiming. She goes, yawn for me. I was like, what? And you're like, come on, yawn. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't like, like, if I purposely yawn, you can't tell like I'm like, What's my, like, actual yawn? Yeah, it sounded like talking. It didn't really sound like a yawn, but... That's what you thought, because you're like, hey, did you, like, yawn or something? I was like, I don't remember, because it was you talking. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I did not, like, I try to be as quiet as possible. Like, I'm, like, standing still, like... Mm Mm-hmm. Not trying to move, like, an inch for the sound. Yeah, and the weird thing is I remember hearing it in real life. Yeah. Because I was sitting here talking. Or I don't you remember. Were, or you were talking. One of us were talking. And I remember like hearing kind of a, a man's voice. But I didn't say anything about it because I thought maybe like there's people going by here all the time on like weekends sometimes because they record sports here for the university. So like there's sometimes people there. But then I asked my dad and like no one's supposed to be here. Yeah, because it was on a day that it was just... Me and you and your dad and no one was in here. Yeah, it was a day no one was here. And so I was like, I was like, okay. And then I forgot about it. And then I was editing it. And I remember and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the sound. It picked it up. Yeah, because you, you probably were talking then. Yeah. I don't remember even hearing it. Yeah, and Haley doesn't remember hearing it. What if that means I'm like spiritually inclined? <laughs> I can hear the ghost, Haley. I see dead people. Haley's giving me like the stank eye. <laughs> But anyway, we heard that, and we'll put it on our Instagram to see what you guys think. But it's just kind of like a low mumble. Yeah. We're like, we're not like 100%. Like, oh, my God, that's like, we know exactly. Like, that's not a sound. But like, but also, we are it, in a haunted theater. Like, yeah. we're recording in a theater that's known to be haunted right now. Yeah. Um. So if you guys are, like, really good at sounds and, like, could, like, isolate. Yeah. Because we're good with sound, but, like. If you're good with, like, paranormal sounds and isolating sounds and, like, investigating that stuff, like, if you know anything about that, hit us up in our DMs and we will get you the sound. Because we want to know. And we'll give you a shout out. We'll give you a shout out, too. Yeah. 
So I wanted to mention that. And then also my cat scratched up my foot so I can barely walk. I was just sleeping in my bed. And then all of a sudden I wake up and I think I moved my foot and I think my cat grabbed onto it and I threw her off the bed <laughs> with my foot. And then I was like, ow, that kind of hurt. But I just went to sleep and I woke up and I'm in a, like a pool of blood <laughs> like, all over my foot. And so my foot is like super scarred up. Haley yeah. can like see like it's like. It doesn't look like that bad. Oh my god! It went through the bottom like the oh no! Yeah, it does. It went deep into my heel, so like my heel feels like it's bruised every time I walk. But my I came into my mom's room late at night. Mom, my foot's bleeding, and she wakes up. She's like, "What? What?" (laughs) You oh my gosh! If you have not seen all the memes going around, it was like. I know there's one with Spongebob. It was like when you throw up in the middle of the night when you're 12 years old and you're sitting at the, like, in front of your parents' door just going, ah. Me too. I do that all the time. But you reminded me of that. You're like sitting there and go, mom, I'm bleeding. Like, you're, you are 19. Okay, I went to the bathroom and I was like trying to deal with it. I, I couldn't. There's too much blood. <laughs> mom, I'm bleeding. It was just so funny because she was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, imagine waking up to your daughter saying, Mom, my foot's bleeding. <laughs> but anyway, those are just some fun things that we should have mentioned. You want to mention one more? Oh, yeah. Um, Me putting up with you for eight hours. Yeah. Haley and I went to a film festival a few weeks back. Actually, a lot of weeks, weeks back. back. It, was like, <laughs> it was in April. Yeah. It was like mid-April. So we drove eight hours. This is the first time she I drove. ever did that. Yeah. She drove. I hate driving. I'm horrible. Like, I'm okay. I hate like big city traffic and we live in like a small town. So I mm-hmm. love it. But yeah. So I was like, I'm not driving. You are. I did. And I'm glad I took my dad's car because it was a lot safer, I think, than my car because my car has had some issues. <laughs> but yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll go. But you're driving. Mm hmm. So yeah, she put up with me for eight hours. We listened to a lot of music and podcasts, and it was good. And there wasn't a lot of scenery, a lot of flat hills. Yeah. But it was still fun, and it was like our first road trip, kind of. It was our first big road trip together. And the film festival was great. I got to meet a lot of artsy people, because I'm used to being around business people all the time, because that's my degree. And I'm not very businessy. I'm artsy. I should not be in this degree, but I am. So it was just a nice refresher. Nice, ref- nice, refreshing time with artistic people. Yes, and it was awesome too because it was just a small little city. It'll be not even say like town. It was mm-hmm. nice getting out of our small town, going into another small town. Yeah, like I like exploring other small towns, but I don't like being in our small town because no. <laughs> you get used to but... it. But anyway, let's go on to part two of Waco and the Branch Davidians because we're about to get to the juicy stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Little recap, we talked about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians and how in this cult he has different wives and they're mainly talking about the apocalypse and how the government is going to come in and kill all of them. So they've been told that for a long time. They're preparing for that. He's been stockpiling like tons of weapons. He basically has like an arsenal of weapons, rifles, shotguns, grenades, um, AR-15s. So, let's talk about all his weapons. He has nearly 250 weapons, and he actually started going to gun shows and buying all these up, 
And this is when the FBI kind of took notice because they noticed he's getting all these. Yeah, 200 and like how much? 200 and something guns? 250. And you said they're roughly around like 100 people in this cult? Yeah, so they have like... Double the guns Like two and a half guns per person. So keep that in mind. Each person, including children, get two and a half guns. Like that's how many weapons they had. So FBI is going to take notice. Actually, not really the FBI. It was the um, ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco, uh, Firearms Sect. So they took notice, and they didn't really take notice until this UPS driver was delivering a package to the compound. And guess what was in the package? Grenades, because it actually accidentally opened, and they see all these grenades. So that kind of alerted them. (laughs) My question... I love these kind of mm-hmm. How could you mail a grenade? I guess UPS mails grenades. That sh- that should be on like their thing. Like, what do we do? We mail grenades. Yeah, because like I'm assuming they would be like loaded or like had the powder with them because like uh-huh. I know some they were probably. I'm I'm guessing they weren't going to go off. Like they're probably unarmed or I don't know much about grenades, but they probably weren't going to explode. I'm hoping. Yeah, I know. I know people collect like old timey grenades, but what they'll do is they'll like poke a hole and like drain the powder and stuff out of it. They were probably drained, but I don't know because if they were gonna actually use them, like maybe they were gonna like assemble them at the compound. I don't know. I don't know, but they were getting grenades in the mail. Then that's pretty weird in the first place. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I go if they were collecting them, they kind of more understand. Mm-hmm. It's like oh like maybe this person's collecting them because if they were like looking old if they were like new grenades yeah then I'd be worried so I'm wondering if it they like were loaded too because that's what I'm saying yeah no but they were doing that and also this is when they really started getting this warrant going because the FBI and the ATF started assembling a plan to execute a warrant to search this place and apprehend all this stuff because they realized they were converting AR-15s to automatic fire, and it is illegal to do this. It is illegal to convert weapons into automatic fire. So this is when they were like, okay, we have enough grounds. We can we can do this. We can get a warrant, and we can go and execute it. So the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms wanted to arrest him for unlawful possession of a destructive device, and they wanted to search the 77-acre compound which 77 acres, that's a lot. And this was actually, they called it Operation Trojan Horse. Like they had an actual name for this because most warrants, you get a warrant and you just knock on the door and there's usually two or three people in the house and you just search the house. It's not a big deal. But this is a compound with 100 people. They have 250 weapons. Like this could go south and it did go south. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But so they had this whole plan on to try to do this peacefully and to try to surprise them. They wanted to surprise them because if they surprised them, they wouldn't have their weapons ready. They wouldn't be able to shoot at them and they could just search the place peacefully and leave. So they were going to have four groups. They were going to have one person go on the first floor where like all the men are. They were going to go have one go where the women are, one go to the search tower and David's room and one go on the other side where the weapons are and like the gym and everything. So they're going to have four groups go in and they're going to execute this plan. 
and it was all going to go great. And the element of surprise would mean there would be no casualties. That was what they wanted. No casualties. So they did this for months. Like they were planning this hardcore and they actually had a guy named Robert Rodriguez go undercover and join the cult. And he's kind of a major player because if they would have listened to him, a lot of this probably wouldn't have happened. So Robert joined the cult. He was an undercover officer. So he would like relay information to them and kind of get a feel as to what's going on inside the compound. But during this whole warrant, while they were getting this ready, the media found out about this. And so the day they were going to go execute their plan, the day they were going to go get this warrant, the media started driving around trying to find the compound so they could film all of it. So, (laughs) But they got lost because this is in the middle of nowhere. So there's this media truck just driving around trying to figure out where this compound is so they can film this warrant search and they get lost and they run into a mailman. And so the mailman asks them what they're doing and they tell them, Oh, there's going to be a warrant search at the branch Davidians compound. Guess what? The mailman was part of the branch Davidians. He was part of the cult. So the mailman goes back, tells David, tells everyone, and they know that the ATF is going to come in that day and get them. They know. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Little moments like this, if like the if like they just didn't send anything. Yeah, if the media wouldn't have gone out there, it could have been an element of surprise. Yes. Um... And here's another thing where if they would have listened, this wouldn't have happened. And this is where a lot of people blame the government, which I kind of do blame blame the government here because they are stupid. They are stupid. So they go back to the compound and keep in mind, Robert Rodriguez, the undercover agent, is still here. So Koresh, actually, he found out from the mailman, they're coming here. They have a warrant and they are coming here. So he sat down with Robert and he was like, I know you're a plant. And he shook his hand, which is like, I'm surprised he didn't kill him. You know, I'm surprised like he just let him go. He shook his hand politely and he told him to leave. And so Robert actually was let go. He left and Robert went back to the ATF and he told them they know they know that you guys are coming. Like, do not do this. There's no element of surprise. They know that you are coming. They found out, but they did not listen. And they went through with the plan and they're like, well, we're not going to listen to you, even though you know what's going on. You were in the compound. You were undercover. They didn't listen, and they went ahead with the plan. And this is what makes me so mad, because if they would have listened to this guy, all of this could have been avoided. All of it could have been avoided. So they went on with the warrant. And officials say that the Branch Davidians opened fire first. But then the people inside the compound say that they opened fire first. So there's a huge dispute on who fired the first weapon because they show up and all the Branch Davidians, they're armed with their weapons ready inside the compound. And the ATF agents obviously have weapons, too. So we don't know who fired first, but someone fired. And then all of a sudden, both sides were firing the People inside the compound were firing through the walls at the agents, and the agents were firing on the outside at them. 
and it was just a whole mess. You see videos of this on the internet because the media was there. So you see videos of like just you see holes going through the sides of the compound, like just bullet holes. And you'll see like the agents climbing up and one of them gets shot by the by the holes. Like you see the holes go through and then you see him go on the ground. Like it's pretty intense. It's really sad. So inside the compound, some of the children say like they were children at the time, but they're grown now. They said they just saw, like, a bunch of black dots coming towards them. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And the black dots were the people in the black uniforms with the gun shooting. <laughs> so it was just, like, hellfire here. So they're shooting through the walls at the agents. There's bodies on the floor inside of the compound, like, people who have been shot through the walls, like, by the agents or people. Yeah. The agents have gone through windows and shot them. So at the end of this fight, the fight lasted... The first fight was like 30 minutes nonstop, but total, it lasted like an hour. And eventually the ATF ran out of fire, so then they had to leave. So that's when the fight stopped. And it ended up 10 were killed by the gunfight, 6 Davidians, and 4 ATF agents. So both sides had casualties, and a lot of people were injured, obviously. David was actually shot in the side, but he lived. So the remaining 62 adults and 21 children started a standoff against the government because think, just think about this. They already don't trust the government and they've been told multiple times this is going to happen. So think about then it happens. This guy, this David prophet has been telling you this and now it happens. It just enforces that belief. It's in psychology we uh there's a term called self-fulfilling prophecy and that's basically what happened yeah i feel like david knew we're getting all these weapons they're gonna look into uh, us yes. and so uh, i'm well, gonna I'm tell what? them this and i don't know what he was thinking like there's so much to analyze with what he was thinking with all this but it just it's really sad this had to happen because there's so much that could have stopped it from happening if people would have listened, but no, they had to go through the plan. And yeah, there's already a lot of anarchy stuff in the society at the time. So there's a lot of mistrust with the government just outside of the Branch Davidians. So just it was the political aspect of this is also really interesting because after this whole incident, there is even more mistrust for the government. And we'll get into that towards the end. But so during the standoff, it lasted 51 days and it began on February 28th, 1993. So within these days, parents would actually hand their kids over to the FBI with notes on where they should go. So this is where um, Margarita Vega, she handed her um, daughter over to the cop, over to the cops, to the agents after about two weeks of the siege. So they would a lot of the kids actually got away. Because the parents would realize stuff is going to happen. But, so they yeah. let their kids go with notes on where to go. They actually secured the release of 44 people. So there was 83 people and 44 people got out during the standoff. Like they were successfully, peacefully released from the compound. And also during this time, David Koresh had 117 conversations with the FBI negotiators. and. Overall, these conversations lasted a total of 60 hours. So he was talking with the FBI a lot and negotiating. But I think he kind of 
he would kept saying he was going to surrender, but then he wouldn't. And it just he was kind of leading them on the whole time. So eventually the FBI was like, "Okay, this is enough. So they cut the electricity and they started blasting sounds of like rabbits and Tibetan chants and like other super weird, loud sounds. You can hear these on the Internet. Like it is weird. So they just cut the electricity started like flashing lights at them and like blasting sounds but these people they're like pretty strong-willed like they're thinking we have to endure this like this is for our faith like they are they are the bad guys they are satan and this is the apocalypse this is what's supposed to happen so this didn't affect them at all they're still gonna stay they're still gonna stand off so they did that and he kept delaying david he kept delaying his own surrender and tensions were rising FBI tanks slowly creeped forward closer to the compound, closer and closer. Eventually, they rammed through the wall. There's a video where you just see a tank running into the wall of the compound, like going through the wall. And they started throwing tear gas into the compound. And the tear gas, they actually threw this for six hours, six hours of intense tear gassing. And the Davidians, actually, they had gas masks, but they don't make gas masks for children. So the children who are left in here, they don't really have a way to deal with the tear gas. They don't have a gas mask. As soon as the tear gas thing starts, chaos. I mean, six hours of tear gassing, the tanks are there, tensions are high, and then fire erupts in the building. And there's tons of controversy on who started the fire? There's like, did the Branch Davidians start it? Because it started inside of the compound. Three separate locations in the compound started. Like three points in the building is where the fire started. Like it wasn't one point. It was three points. And pretty soon the fire just explodes, like goes through the whole building. So is this like a for sure, like someone set the fire? Like they for sure know someone, at least somebody like set the fire. They don't know if it set the fire, but somehow a fire erupted, but in three separate points in the compound, like inside the compound. Because I was thinking, because there could be a possibility with all this hell raising, you know, because mm-hmm. you said that they kind of had electricity. Yeah. Well, they cut the electricity. The FBI cut electricity to this place. But so still, it's like. Someone probably set the fire. Like the way it was, someone probably set the fire, but. There's a lot of controversy as to what happened. So as in the aftermath of the fire, the fire took over the whole building. Like, just think of a building. Everything's on fire now. Everything. Whole building. You can't get out. People are staked out in here already. So 75 were found dead, including David. But most of the people that they found had shots to the head. So they thought maybe they, like, committed suicide before the fire killed them. There was a three-year-old found stabbed in the chest, and there was two minors with blows to the head. Everyone was shot, basically. And the members, there's a few members who escaped the fire who were in there, and they escaped. And some of them think the FBI shot them. I believe that. But it also, they know that it also could have been they shot each other to prevent like a painful, slow death from fire, which also makes sense. And the FBI claims that no officer had fired since that initial shootout the 51 days How before the standoff. How do they know, though? That's the thing. Is like, like what? Because, like, there could be guns lying all around. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of fishy stuff with the FBI and a lot of conspiracy on, like, did they start the fire? Because there's members who got out who, like, swear no one in the compound would have started the fire. They wouldn't have done that. So they think the FBI did it. But it's pretty crazy because, like, there's just, there's the FBI and then there's the surviving members. And, like, they always argue on who did what, who shot first in the shootout, who started the fire. Why are people, like, found here with gunshots? Was that themselves or was that the FBI? Like, there's just a lot of controversy. And after this whole incident happened, there was a huge uprising in like government mistrust tons of like militias were formed oh, i believe that. and people were like getting ready to go against the government because they thought the government was going to come after them too like they thought this is going to happen to a bunch of people because this doesn't look good on the government i no. mean this is a lot of people dead and the government standing they have tanks and guns and they were tear gassing them like it does not look good so yeah that is Waco uh, and the Branch Davidians, and yeah, part two. I hope you guys enjoyed that, but I'm glad I split this up into two parts because yes. it was just a lot to say. I, well, I our guess. chairs are squeaking, so I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to get it not to squeak. Okay, Mara. so I'm gonna be talking about Mara Murray. Mara Murray, yeah. Okay, so um, as I mentioned in the previous episode about. Um, my kind of work podcast murder. Yeah. So we actually talked about this case. This is like one of the first cases we all listened to and we all talked about because like <sighs> it's a case that you just it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. You'll be obsessed with. I kind of I've heard of it before she my like our group and then I like reheard it. I was like, oh my god, I forgot how like crazy this is yes okay so she disappeared on the evening of february uh 9th 2004 so at that time i would actually been like four Mm -hmm. which is kind of mind-blowing um so she was in college um at the time she um disappeared um after she crashed her car on route um 112 on wood valley um road in new hampshire a village, like, on Hover Hill. After that, we do not know where she is. She's disappeared. So she basically just, like, crashed her car. They found her car, and, like, she's nowhere. Well, I'll get more into that. But this is basically, like, I'm just giving you the base down basics. Okay. I'll give you some background. So she had kind of a pretty normal life. Her parents got divorced when she was young. Um, She had a sister um, at the time. And just her childhood was pretty normal. Normal suburban life. Yeah. Her sister got into drugs and alcohol and was a very alcoholic. I was like, she's going to college. Went to this um, really, like, good college. And then she got kicked out because she stole some makeup from it. She stole makeup? Yes. She stole makeup. It was uh, kind of like a military college. It was Fort Knox, like, you know, Fort Knox, like that uh-huh. kind of college. I can't think of it at the moment. It'll come to me. I don't think I have it in my notes because I was more focused on the case because that's where all the details matter. Yeah. I'm just kind of giving a quick 
overview of her the life overview, a little bit. Because this case will take up majority of it. I didn't feel like the small little details. So basically, she got in trouble with the law. So basically, she went to this one college, stole makeup. Um, they were like a very high, like high school and like honors and stuff. So they kicked her out, but she said that she transferred, you know, to make it look better. So she transferred to this new college. At that time, in 2004, you could get like receipts and they would have like people's credit card numbers. Mm-hmm. So she uh, did credit card fraud. Oh, so she would look at the receipts and yeah, then see yeah. the number and be like, oh, okay, I'll use this number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, So she would, like, get food and stuff for it. So, like, she sold credit cards and stuff like that. Yeah, I have it right here. Um, She was on probation a lot. But it was kind of more college kid type of things. Um, It wasn't anything major, just a little kind of petty crime. Yeah. Like, she stole, like, food. It was that kind of thing. It was just very minor crimes. Right before she disappeared, she emailed her professor that, like, afternoon, kind of. I was like, hey, I have a death in the family. I'm going to be gone for a week. So they believe her. And she doesn't actually have a death. There's no death at all. In her no family. death in the family. No death. Okay. So, at some point... With her going there, she has her bags packed. She looked like she's, like, about to leave. You know, she has, like, alcohol. Yeah, didn't she buy, like, a bunch of alcohol? Yeah, it was, like, wine coolers, all this. And what the weird thing is that February, like, 5th, around that time, her, she supposedly got a call from her sister, which she did get a call, but we don't know what she talked about with her sister. And she was working at that time, and she got that call. And after she got off the phone, she started crying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and they asked what was wrong with her. And she goes, oh, it's just my sister. And her sister is an alcoholic. And um, I heard this from another podcast. And they were saying that how her sister got just got a rehab and relapsed. Oh. So they were kind of, the whole alcohol thing. They're like, why did she buy alcohol? Yeah, that's, that is kind of weird. If her sister, There's if that a, is so. Yeah, yeah. so she's leaving. We don't know where she's going, okay? So I can't tell you what destination she was planning on doing, but yeah. So she packed, like, bags. She had her books in her car. Yeah, did she have her textbooks? Yeah. Like, school? She, so it seemed like she was maybe going to study, study and come back to school. Yeah, like, yeah. she had the intention of coming come back. Because um, she is a nurse student at this college, and... Yeah, wasn't she saying, like, pharmaceuticals Ooh, or something, something like, like that? that? Yeah. You know, she has her textbook. She got alcohol. It's just in her car. Uh, 7.27 p.m., this woman reported a car got an accident on Route um, 112 and just, like, right at her house. And she said the driver was just kind of, you know, outside, kind of glorious. Um, She kind of, like, went off a curb and, like, mm-hmm. hit a tree kind of thing off the road. And where, when this is happening, it's snowing. Like, it's snowing. It's yeah, freezing. Yeah, snow is on the ground. So, like, you can see prints, you know. You can see footprints. And um, when this woman, like, sees her. So there's also, when this woman's, like, seeing that this crash happened and all this, there's another guy who also comes by and sees her crash. On the side of the road, and he's like, "Hey, can I call nine one one for you?" 
And she's like, no, I got the triple, no, triple A, triple A on the way. Triple A. Hey, I got triple A. So yeah. So she's like, I call triple A. It's fine. Well, he knew. I don't think she knew that he knew that there's no signal where she was at. So he would have to go. So he went all the way to his house to call the 911 and report this accident. So she couldn't have called triple A. Yeah. And so that's why he like left and like called 911. So, in the span of eight minutes, the police get there. So, mm-hmm. like, the guy leaves, called 911. So, he saw her there. And yeah. he talked to her yeah. there. And then the police come, like, eight minutes after he calls. Mm-hmm. The guy calls. She's nowhere to be found. Ooh. Nowhere to be found. Her car's wrecked, and her car's locked. Mm-hmm. They don't see any footprints going through the woods. Because it's a one area, too. It's snowing, and it's a wet area. So yeah. they could see footprints because not everyone's going to be walking. It's not going to mm-hmm. be clear. So did the footprints not go into the woods or anything? There wasn't any. There wasn't any. Any. Yeah. Was it like currently snowing? Do you think the snow no, covered them no, up? No, it wasn't currently. It was, it snowed, but it wasn't like. It wasn't coming down no, then. Then. Like it just snowed. Ooh. They didn't find any footprints. Like they found footprints like around the car. But other mm-hmm. than that, like no. So um, she kind of went into the woods. It's just crazy because she disappeared within a span of, like, eight minutes. minutes. Like, seven to eight minutes, okay? Yeah, it was uh, February 5th when she talked to her sister. And they maybe thought that, like, she was... Because they don't know where she was going. So they mm-hmm. asked her sister because her sister was the last one that... Talked contact, to her, yeah, yeah. Kind of, and, like, she was upset, you know. So would that be a reason? Okay. So... I'm going to tell you a little more backstory, too. Like, days before. Like, I'm not talking about her past. Like, this. Like, just a couple, couple days, days before, before her disappearance. Yeah. yeah this, Those are um, the days that really, like, police focus on, because that can tell you a lot. And that's why they were focusing on the sister. You know, she was crying about her sister. They got a phone call on the 5th. It's the 9th. It's not that many days. So, mm-hmm. like, they're like, oh, maybe she was really upset. So, yeah. So, on the 7th, her father, Fred, um, arrives, and they were going to go car shopping because um, her car was, like, breaking down, you know, Mm -hmm. wasn't reliable. So, he took her car shopping, and then they got in there with one of her friends. Mary dropped off her dad at this motel, and her dad let her borrow his like brand new car. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, too, they stopped by and got alcohol. The dad did, like, for his like, because she was old enough to drink. Mm-hmm. So she went to the liquor store and bought alcohol. So he let her take his brand new car, knowing that she's going to be drinking. Yeah. So yeah. Yikes. So um, she drove to campus, went to a dorm party. Um, she arrived at ten thirty. At 2.30, February 8th, she left the party, and then at 3.30, she um, hit guardrail Oh, and caused $10,000 worth of damage to the car. Dang. Oh, so she was probably drunk. Yeah, she was drunk. She just uh, left the party. But they did not, she did not contact the police and she got like a tow truck to like tow it away. Oh, okay. She did not like call the police. Okay. So this is also kind of 
a thing that you need to think about. Okay, so she gets a tow truck, makes him take her back to her like dad's motel. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, because she, I think she lived on the dorm, so mm-hmm. I understand why she was, because she was taking her car back to her dad. Oh. But since it was getting towed, like, mm-hmm. didn't really matter. I know. Wait, so she w- was going back to her dad's hotel? Yeah. That kind of makes sense because a lot of like my, my friends, when their parents come in to visit, they'll stay with their parents in the hotel just to be with them. But I don't understand because she was at the dorms. She was drunk. And, like, Yeah, it is kind of weird to go back. Because we were pretty sure <laughs> she was drunk, drunk <laughs> driving, but she never took like a sport. It's like, never got tested to see if she was drinking and driving. They never really called the police. But she um, got into the room. Her father didn't know that she got what time she got in. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know she was in the room all night oh, until. But like, she was in the room, but he didn't know. Yeah, he was probably sleeping or yeah, something. Yeah, he was sleeping. So yeah, but she was so quiet. Like she, so in the morning she told him what happened. But at ten, I mean, uh, at uh four forty nine, she made a phone call to her boyfriend on her dad's phone. Oh. And we don't know what it's called about, but we know that she called her boyfriend on her dad's phone. Did they talk to the boyfriend, see what that was about? Uh, yeah, they didn't really say anything. It was more just kind yeah. of they don't really know. Um, but yeah, so her dad like wasn't really upset with her, per se, in the interviews that he had done. He was more like, oh, I was worried about her, but it's fine. You know, insurance will cover it. So we're going to fill out an accident report together the next day. So, like, it's the morning, you know. So later Sunday night, because this is, like, later that night when, like, all this went down, they're, like, mm-hmm. filing a report. He goes around a car. He has to drop her off at university. He has to get back to work. And then um, at 11.30 that night, he called her and was, like, reminding her about the report. Was gonna fill out on Monday together, you know, discuss the form, insurance, you know, all that. Yeah. So like, she was planning on like talking to him on Monday. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, so yeah. So just everything going on, she got a call. Okay, I'm gonna recap everything so we can focus then on the crash. Okay. Yes. So she got a call on February 5th from her sister, um, talking about how she kind of relapsed. Murray was sad. Okay, then she drunk driving crashed her dad's new car. He's okay. Like, he's like, I'm not really angry at you. I'm just good. You're safe, you know. And they're going to go talk about the about the accident report, mm-hmm. about the insurance, everything on Monday. Okay. And this is like the eighth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say she's kind of on... A very mental breakdown. Yeah. A little bit of myself, but those are the events. And I kind of feel like she's breaking down. And then she emailed her professor, professor and said that there's she was going to be gone. I think she kind of lied because a professor will go easy on you if you have a death in the family. Yeah. And then saying, and so being like, I'm going to skip class. Yeah. Um. So the boyfriend with this call. So I'm not getting into it because that's just a rabbit hole. So, there's this kind of conspiracy that um, her boyfriend was having, like, an affair on her, and she was having an affair on him with her track coach, because she was oh. a runner. <laughs> so, um, keep that in mind. So, her boyfriend wasn't the best of boyfriends. 
Okay. Going back to the crash site. They mention a guy smoking a cigarette. Like some of the witnesses? Yeah, some of the witnesses. Like the woman that like saw the accident from her house. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, I kind of saw this guy in the like other side like smoking. But then she recounted it. like, And uh, she said she didn't. That, yeah. Oh, come on, people. So, yeah. Come on, so, people. Um, yeah, and then she had a rag in her tailpipe. Mm-hmm. But her dad was like, oh, I told her to do that because it's like an old trick with cars. Mm-hmm. But they're like, why would you tell her? Yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, and they just don't know where she went. At all there's no evidence. Um, they thought maybe she was gonna meet up with some people because she was talking about like skiing and like Google that kind of stuff. Maybe she just needed a week away from everything. That's what people were thinking. Um, because you know, I mentioned all that to kind of show you, like, yeah, she's yeah. mentally like, you know, the thing was, was it like. Her getting away by herself, or was she going with her boyfriend or someone yeah, else? Yeah, that's why um, some people, this is not true, I don't believe this, but they thought that she was pregnant. But she had her birth control in the car. Mm-hmm. She, um, only reason they think it, because she was Googling, like, side effects of being pregnant and mm-hmm. drinking. Mm-hmm. But she was a nurse, and... One of the other, like, her classmates was like, yeah, we had a project where we had to, like, look up pregnancy terms. Okay. So, it was probably just for the project. Project, yeah. It's crazy because there's only an eight, eight minutes span of what could she have been doing? Yeah. See, what I've always thought is I think someone drove by, <gasps> picked her up. Okay. So, um, me and my little group, um, one of the girls thinks... Israel Keys. Have you heard that name before? No. Well, I'm going to talk about him um, in a later episode, but basically, um, he was killing around the same time period as um, when she disappeared, and his MO was anyone. Anyone that was alone and helpless. Mm -hmm. And she's on the side of the road. She's probably alone. She's probably drunk, too, because uh, they found a soda can mm-hmm. filled with, uh, they assume, wine. It mm-hmm. was red liquid. Mm-hmm. So they assumed maybe she was drinking and driving, and then she didn't want to get arrested because she just crashed her car. Yeah. Her dad's car. So maybe this guy, I so maybe she, this guy goes to call the police, and she's like, crap. And then a car comes goodbye. by and says, hey, do you need help? And she gets in. The end. But they never see it. Okay, if it's eight minutes, you'd see a, like, the police would see a car driving by. Unless it, like, came, like, right as the guy left, and then there's a chance that a car could have snuck by. It's just crazy. And then some people think that, um, she purposely crashed and, uh, made sure that no one could find her because she just wanted to start a new life. Mm hmm. I didn't think her life was I don't that believe, bad. I don't believe that because she had her textbooks. Books. She had her textbooks. She had... Because she also, I forgot to mention, she withdrawed all her money from her bank account, but it was like $200. Oh, so it wasn't that much. It wasn't that much. So that's why I don't like bringing it up because it was $200. Yeah. If, it, like, if she had like thousands of dollars, that would make sense. Maybe her starting a new, new life, life, but... Sure, like mm-hmm. it's like me. If I had okay, I typically have like two hundred dollars in my bank account, and one day I'm like, you know, what? I just want it all cash. Mm-hmm. I could take it all in one hit, like one like transaction, 
Is it really that big of a deal for chain like no. getting too? Okay, you're See, if be- I took everything out of like my savings though, then that would be like red flag. Yeah, you know? but I would also say like if you're just gonna go away for the weekend and you don't know where you're gonna be, and sometimes people like at that time was cash only or like cash and check because debit cards I think were still getting new, like mm-hmm. new. I would just rather have cash and like no matter where I go, just pay with cash because maybe she didn't want to be found. Yeah, for a while like, because this maybe she just wanted to get out. She didn't want her parents to like worry about her, try to find her. She just needed like a mental break. Overnight. Yeah, yeah. Like I think about doing that sometimes. I'm like, you know what? It would fu- be fun to just do like a road trip, just go and like clear your head. Yeah, and like it was two hundred dollars. It was roughly around there, so it's not that big of a deal. But it's just mind blowing because it was eight minutes. The cops were on their way. The snow, the footprints. Because they were like, oh, maybe she went to the woods. Well, they would have found footprints. Someone came by. Like, that's the, the only, only logical magic. explanation. Yeah, it's just crazy. And then they don't know who would come by. And they didn't assume it was her boyfriend. But they're like, who else could it be? Aliens. <laughs> but yeah, it's just crazy. This case, I'm sorry I rambled on. I, my brain is on, like, overload with this case. I'm this case to- is... I. I really like learning about missing persons cases because they're just so mind-boggling and there's so many, like, possibilities. How do I put this in the best way that I don't sound like a horrible person? I love mystery cases because you don't know what happened to them as much as, like, And also, I like just the hope that they could be be alive. alive. Yes. The hope. The hope. The the the, the, My thing is more the craziness of... How does someone How just drop off the face of the earth? More and more now with um, technology. technology and stuff and how many people, like, the word spreading about all this stuff. It's just crazy how someone can disappear. Yeah, and some of the more us- recent ones are really mind-boggling because it's like now with technology. <gasps> we got security cameras everywhere. You got Snapchat vids. You got, like, everything. everything. And it's just crazy. And, you know, people aren't going to let their phones die. Yeah. Like, if someone goes out without their phone, something's wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. And it's just mind-boggling. And that's the thing is I don't get is, like, what? And just, I'm curious, like, good or bad, what happened to those people that disappear? Like, like are they dead? Are they alive? Are they, like, torch? Like, it's just, Where are, are they? they? Are they still alive right, somewhere? Where, are they dead? What happened to them? Are they happy? Are they like that? Just is more mind boggling. It is. I feel like it's more upsetting too. I know. In a lot of these big ones, there is no answer, and there there is no and there's no evidence pointing to why or how or who or where. I know. I'm just waiting for one of these days when one of these gets solved, and it's just going to be like a breath of fresh air. Oh my gosh! I can't wait to. Like, there was that one that happened pretty recently. I can't remember her name, but she <sighs> went missing. Like, her f- whole family was killed and she was missing. Yeah, and yeah. And it turns out she was, uh, I think her name was Jamie. Yeah, it was Jamie and she was, um, like, she was a, kidnapped by this guy like, and she escaped. She yeah. ran out. Yeah. It was kind of nice. And she, I think it, she was held hostage for like two weeks. Yeah, dude. two weeks. It, I would say she it was, was like about, stuffed under his bed. Yeah, it was about a month. And like, this guy didn't seem okay. I like every person I would, yes, he's a killer, but the way that he did it, like, so surprisingly, like, 
Amateur. Amateur. Like, he had her under his bed, and, like, he had heavy totes. And wasn't he in his parents' house or something? Yes, he was in his parents' house, and his parents, like, would have guests over, and he would, like, turn up the music in, like, his room. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't hear her. No, but props to her. She ran out. She ran up to a car, told them who she was. She got out. Jamie Kloss. Was that her name? Jamie Kloss. But, yeah, it's just... But when things get solved, that one was a pretty recent one, so it didn't have a long time, but it was mind-boggling, and people were talking about it. So when that got solved, it was like, whoa, yes, and I want that to happen of some of these older ones. For real, especially um, with the cruise ships. Amy Lynn Bradley, oh my gosh. This is what I'm talking about. I, oh my god, there's just so many, like... We probably I, need to end this soon. Yes. Well, we'll end this out here. But yeah, make sure to follow our Instagram when we post that ghost video. And yeah, we're really happy to be back. We're going to be on top of it more this summer yes. while we have time because we never have time when school starts and it really sucks. And eventually we want to have our own recording space so we don't have to use this haunted theater. Yes. And we can record more often yes yeah we hope you all have a lovely day yes and we'll see you next week Bye. bye